This week has been, uh, for me, uh, really a, a trial. Um, Steve Bensman and I traveled to Atlanta for uh, three days, and we went to what was called the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, the focus of this Catalyst Conference was really developing young leaders. Um, the impetus was to hope to uh, create this, what they called a reverb. So as God is impacting you, your life, it just reverberates and goes out and affects uh, your church, it affects your community, it affects your family life. It just has this reverberating effect into the world. And as we sit, uh, sat underneath uh, these teachers, it, some of the biggest people out there, like uh, John Maxwell, if, you, if you're familiar with the Christian uh, leadership world, John Maxwell is like the big daddy. He, he is like the grandfather of the Christian things of leadership. And so he's got, you know, the 360 leader, this kind of leader, that kind of leader, you know, what to do and what not to do kind of leader. And he is just, we, we heard John Maxwell and uh, watching this, this guy just cry on stage because he just has a heart for this next generation. Of course, me being a little tired and a little emotional, that's me. You know, I'm sitting here going, man, God is at work at something. Hearing a, a guy um, named Andy Stanley from North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, um, talk about what does, it, what does it look like as a leader to be the most powerful person in the room? And looking at John and how Jesus was the most powerful person in the room at the Last Supper. And what did Jesus do? As the most powerful person in the room, he didn't say, all right, boys, here's the game plan. We're going to take up the swords, we're going to do this, and we're going to kick some tail. All right, here's our last effort, we're going to do this. Instead, what did he do? He took off his mantle of authority, his, his cloak, set it aside, wrapped a towel around his waist, and washed feet. Then the, probably the one that just hit me square was hearing a, a guy by the name of Francis Chan from uh, Simi Valley, California. This is uh, a young pastor about my age, and uh, which is, by the way, 28, <laughs> or not so much. Um, hearing this young pastor... Talk about his struggles as a, as a disciple and being really honest and straightforward and saying, you know, I'm just not satisfied. And hearing Erwin McManus, another, another Christian leader, say, you know, I don't know if I've ever really had to sing a song like that. All my joy, all I want is you. All I need is you. I don't know if I've ever really had those pure moments where I can really say, all I want is just you, Jesus, and a cappuccino. Or this, or that. But Francis Chan has said something that really hit me in the gut. And uh, this is what he had to say. If Jesus had a church in Simi Valley, mine would be bigger. People would leave his church to attend mine. 
because I call for an easier commitment. If Jesus had a church in Simi Valley, mine would be bigger. People would leave his church to attend mine because I call for an easier commitment. And as a, as a pastor of a seven-month-old church, I, it's easy for me to identify with that. Because there's all kinds of pressures for me right now to grow a big church. There's the expectation, actually on paper for us, to by the end of the year be at an average of 150 people. And next year, 175. Year after that, 200. Average. So one, one snowstorm in December, and we're screwed, you know. The average is shot right there. But... Uh, but there's this, this pressure of growing a big church where we got a lot of numbers and it's easy to say, listen, I will do whatever it takes to get you in the door and to get you to stick around. You, you know, you don't even have to serve. We just want you to show up. Maybe give your, your, your $5 here or there, your nickel or dime, whatever you can afford, just to show up. And we're not going to require anything of you. And so after that, that, that whole conference and hearing Francis Chan say that he could build a bigger church than Jesus because he, he would call for an easier commitment. I'm going, oh, well, why did God give me this next section in Mark? And so if you have a Bible with you, uh, I encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's just kind of wave at the person at the end of your aisle because there's Bibles along the way. And if you choose to use one of the Bibles along the aisles, the page is 694. Up to this point, Jesus, uh, we, we have seen that John the Baptist was out in the desert. And he was calling the people out to the desert and saying, Hey, prepare the way. Prepare the way within your hearts. Because someone greater than me is going to be coming. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals that he's wearing. This man is so much greater. And so John does this great big, oh my goodness, the Messiah, the one that has been promised is coming. He's coming, guys. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Get away. Focus. Understand who this is. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. No caravan of donkeys, no lights, no glamour. A simple Galilean walks in, says to John, baptize me. The Messiah who who did not need any baptism because he was perfect, but chose to identify with humanity and begin the servant process. And Jesus went through the temptations so that he can identify with us. And he comes out and he says, The time has come. 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus introduces this, this whole new world of living and being and thinking and processing and being in relationships. The new way of viewing who God is and what God has done. And Jesus says, the kingdom is near. It's here. Repent. Turn. Believe. This good news. And today, starting at verse 16, Jesus takes it one more step. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, where they were, obviously, fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. If Jesus would have a church in Mokina, we'd have a bigger church. Is it true? Would our commitment be any less? Would we be calling people, our friends, our family, not just me, the pastor, you know, because that's my paid job is to call 